Aloha, you're listening to the NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm with Raphael Barlow. The All-Star Game just happened. We had the young rising stars. We're going to debate the top 25 players in the NBA under 25. Here we go. All right, I'm back with Rafael Barlow, director of scouting at NBABigBoard.com now, and it already has a couple of awesome columns up about Jabari Smith being the number one pick in the draft, doing some video breakdown of one of the draft's biggest mysteries, Shaden Sharp out of Kentucky, which uh, a lot of people that a lot of our readers have been asking, man, I just don't know where to put him on board because I haven't seen him play. Raphael's going to do some work showing us exactly what he looks like on the court. Unfortunately, it's not at Kentucky, um, but uh, in high school um, as well. But we're going to we're going to not talk about the 2022 NBA draft today. Maybe we will a little bit at the end. Uh, but that's not going to be our primary focus. We want to look at the players that are actually in the league um, right now. We just had the Rising Stars uh, competition. We got to see the best NBA rookies and sophomores. But we want to talk about the players that we think are the best players in the NBA under the age of 25. You can actually go read my list over at NBABigBoard.com. Subscribe today. Um, check all of that out uh, as well. But Raphael is going to... We're going to debate some of this stuff because a lot of these rankings are, are very subjective. Some of these guys are really close. I tried to use a combination of, of three different analytics models, LeBron, Darko, and Raptor, uh, as well as talking to NBA general managers about how they would rank him. Uh, Raphael is a scout, watches a lot of the NBA as well. Uh, that's another sort of aspect to look at. And so we're going to dive right into this, Raphael, right at the start. Uh, and uh, we'll do the opposite of the columns that sort of counted down from 25 to 1. We're going to start right at, the, right at the top because it seemed to me the analytics say that this is actually razor-thin close between Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks and Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics with John Morant of Memphis gaining ground quickly, but at least according to the advanced analytics, he's, he's not at their level yet. Doncic was number one on my last board. Uh, I kept him number one uh, on my uh, on this board. I'm curious who would be your number one guy uh, as the best player in the NBA under the age of 25? Well, I live in Dallas and uh, I've kind of gained a reputation as a guy who knows the international games. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I'm going Luca. So I agree there. I think the difference between Luca and Tatum is that Luka is a much better playmaker. I think you can get the same scoring from Luka or Tatum, but I think the difference is the playmaking. And Luka can make everyone around him better. If there was a knock that I did have on Tatum was I thought that he needed to improve as a a playmaker, which he's done over the last few weeks. The Celtics seemed like they kind of figured it out once Brown and and Tatum started moving the ball a little bit more, but I'm, I'm going with Luka here. One of the interesting things about one of the reasons from the analytics standpoint that it's so razor thin is that Luca came into the season out of shape and not putting up Luca-esque numbers uh, for the first month of the season. Then he injures his ankle. He uses that three weeks that he's off to get in better condition. I still don't think that anybody's going to argue that Luca's in elite NBA uh, physical condition right now, but he's certainly better than what, what he showed up at camp with. And he has been an absolute, absolute monster. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna show you these numbers right now because they're 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 pretty they're pretty amazing. In February, 
This is this is just in the nine games that Lucas played uh, in February. 36.3 points a game, 10.6 rebounds a game, 9.4 assists a game, shooting 43. 0.4% from three. If he keeps that up, this is the best we've ever seen Luka Doncic, and he's a legit MVP candidate. Yeah, I mean, if he can play the Clippers every night, then he, he would definitely be the MVP candidate. <laughs> so, I mean, he, for whatever reasons, torches the Clippers. And then the one game that he, I, I was actually at the game. We scored most of his points in the in the fourth quarter. It was interesting that Tyron Lue decided to have, um, I can't think it slips my um the big guard him the the entire game, which usually Luca hunts out those uh those mismatches. But I don't know. The thing about Luca being out of shape, I'd say he's in better shape than the average NBA player, simply because can the average NBA player handle his workload and being the the the, the main name on the scouting report every night? And he's been able to do that, quote unquote, out of shape and he was still putting up 25, 26, 27 points per game. So I think that um, also his body type, he'll never look like he's in great shape. But I think it's a little bit overrated. That's just my opinion. Okay. So you got Doncic one. Would you put Jason Tatum two or is or is John Morant or maybe somebody else? Maybe there's another wild card in here for Raphael um, at number two for top player under the age of 25 currently in the NBA maybe I'm being a prisoner of the moment but I'm going with Ja at number two I think he's just an, an engine but then again you can say that the the Grizzlies were successful without him I mean they had a nice string of games or a nice string of W's when he was out with it with the injured ankle but I, I guess maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment I would go with Ja number two right now he's number three on my list uh and obviously a guy who is um maybe the most electric player in the NBA to watch right now. Like if there's a must see where uh, I want to just tune in to watch a player come in and do something special every night. To me, it's two guys. It's Ja or Steph Curry uh, are the guys that on, on any given night, they can do so many incredible things on the court. And, they, and it's interesting because they're totally different basketball players. Uh, but his, his high wire act above the rim is incredible. But I actually think Ja doesn't get enough respect in the NBA for not just being this incredible, explosive top-tier athlete, but also a guy who really sees and understands and feels the game. And I, I think that's that's a, sometimes a misnomer about Ja is when you see someone with the athletic tools that he has, you want to say that his success is primarily predicated on his athleticism, which is certainly a big part of his game. But to me, one of the things that's impressed me is how he's continued to evolve as a playmaker, um, as a point guard, and as, as someone who I, I just actually think is has a great, great feel for the game, the same way that Tatum does and the same way that Luka Doncic does. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought he was a special passer coming out of Murray State, and it's all kind of come together for him. I mean, he's definitely someone that is an engine and that's when I make these lists. I wonder, like, all right, is this particular player, are, are they an engine? Can they carry a franchise? And that's exactly what, what Ja is doing. I mean, Memphis is way ahead of their rebuilding schedule. And a lot of it is because he's been, I mean, he's been so dynamic. I mean, the expectations were high for him as the number two pick. But I can, I honestly feel like he's exceeded expectations. Well, there you have it. Analytics aren't quite there yet, but some of the some of the part of that is because of the analytics that I use. They're taking into pr previous seasons as well. Where actually, Jaw for the first couple of years was not by any stretch an analytics darling. That's really been a big turnaround this year. Um, yeah, but if you're just if you're just looking at this season, 
um, between the guys that are under 25. And if we could give an MVP award out to a player that's under 25, I think Ja, ja wins it this year. I would say he's the MVP of the under 25s. Yeah, I mean, definitely because of the Grizzlies' success. But then again, someone who may vote in favor of Tatum will say that if Tatum missed as many games as Ja did, the Celtics wouldn't be as good. And Memphis was pretty successful without Ja. But I'm still going with, with Ja Morant. Okay. Does that mean you got Tatum at three? Yes. Yes, I have Tatum okay. at number three. All right. So let's let's talk about four here. Um, you've got Trey Young, uh, who's who's a possibility, a guy who's you know again putting up huge numbers um, in in Atlanta um, this year. You've got uh, Zion Williamson, who was drafted ahead of Jaw, who when he's healthy. For sure, looks like he's a top three player, but has only played 85 games in the NBA. He's missed the entire season. Lots of concerns about Zion right now. You've got, you've got a couple of guys that made all-star teams like LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and you have this year's rookies. You've got Evan Mobley. You've got Kate Cunningham. You've got Scotty Barnes. Uh, those are all guys that I think are, are you know in the mix next. Who's your fourth best player, top 25 under 25? You know, I honestly did not think that making this list would be as controversial as it is. I thought it was going to be easy, but there's some guys that are left out that, you know, you can make a case for. And then it's hard to say that, at least in my opinion, that Trey Young is behind Evan Mobley. I mean, you look at the success Atlanta had last year, maybe it was just an outlier season, but Trey Young is putting up some really ridiculous numbers. I know that defensively there's some issues there and again maybe last year was an outlier year for the Hawks but I don't think Mobley's done enough to put him over Trey Young right now okay all right that that's that's a fair uh, a fair point but let's I want to dig back at you a little bit on this to say that there are some defensive issues with Trey Young when both rap when Raptor LeBron uh and 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 uh, um Darko the three the, the three analytics tools that are probably the most respected in the NBA. They rarely agree on anything, but they unanimously agree that he is the worst defender in the NBA. Not that he has some defensive issues, but he's the worst defender in the NBA. And on two of those metrics, it's not even close. There's not even another player that's, that's, that's next to him. Certainly that fits the eye test most of the time when you're watching Trey Young as well. And so how do you have a guy, who, and, and offensively he's great. By the way, they have him ranked anywhere but like second or third in the NBA offensively. He is a player that is on extreme ends here. But how do you justify taking a six-foot, six-one guard who, who not only can't, who not only has defensive issues, but let's just take it for for real for a minute that he's the worst defender in the NBA over a seven footer who's incredibly agile mobile uh, uh, mo- agile, agile mobility three years younger than Trey Young is ranked by one of those LeBron as already the best defender in the NBA I know that seems like an outlier and other others have Rudy and different things in there but it's it's the analytics are picking up his defensive powers and whatever you want to say about Mobley he isn't ever going to be the worst offensive player in the NBA in fact I think he's going to be a highly plus defender in the NBA if you were drafting today Raphael and you're building your team you telling me you would take Trey Young over Evan Mobley I need to sell tickets and jerseys and get butts no you don't you need to win you need to win (laughs) basketball games 
Well, I mean, it's Trey has went to the Eastern Conference Finals. If you okay. if he's he's gone to the Eastern Conference Finals before his rookie deal expired. That's pretty impressive. And I this is coming from a guy that is not the biggest Trey Young fan. Again, it may have been an outlier year. Maybe if Ben Simmons makes a layup, then it, it's it's totally different. But something about Trey Young in big games and his mental toughness and the confidence that he plays with, I think that I, I don't know if Evan Mobley is going to be able to duplicate that success in the same amount of time. But he has made a huge impact as a rookie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's done something as a rookie that is really unheard of. Rookies can put up good counting stats. We 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 know that in the past, but they rarely actually help their teams win basketball games. It's it's one of the things analytics show over and over again. No, no matter, even if your rookie scoring twenty points a night, he's probably going to be a minus when it gets to plus minus on the floor. He's not going to help you win basketball games. Evan Mobley. Uh, now there's two other all stars on this team, and Jared Allen and 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 Darius Garland, both who make the top twenty five under twenty five list as well. Um, but if you're looking at what any of these guys did at the age of twenty. Mobley, uh, Mobley is ahead of all of them, and other than maybe Doncic, uh, you, who came, came into the league on fire right away, um, I, I think he's the guy, other than Doncic, that I think down the road, and, and again, maybe this is me being a bit hyperbolic, who could be on that list, arguably the best player in the NBA someday. I think Doncic could reach that. At, at some point in his career where people just say unanimously, hey, Luka Doncic is the best player in the NBA. I'm not saying he is now, but I'm saying down the road. I see Mobley, that's where the ceiling that I see Mobley. I certainly don't see that in Trey Young. And I'm not even sure that I, I totally see that with Jason Tatum. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair assessment. I just, you know, you look at Young's numbers and you look at, again, conference three finals. Years, three years age difference too, though. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I, I'll still go. I'll still go with, with, with Trey Young. Okay. Okay. Cigar's so we don't game. agree. We, we don't agree on that one. But but then, you know, spoiler alert. I have Trey Young f- fifth. So it's not like a, it's not like I'm dropping him uh, that much 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 further. Who's the fifth guy on your board? Um, I would I would go with Mobley over over Zion. Which you know, if you would have asked me that question a year ago, even two years ago. It would have sounded crazy. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Zion. The signs aren't looking good. The the health issues, then just the way he's handling this doesn't really look good. And then, but I've always felt that Zion is going to be hard to build around, simply because I think that he's best suited to be a five. But you'd have to find like the perfect complementary four or five to play alongside with him. You need like a a rim protector that can space the floor and how many of those guys are are available and and zion has some defensive issues also sometimes i think it's just i mean i think with at least with trey you know that there's some things that he can't help some of it is effort but i feel like zion is not defending when when he's playing he's not defending like he yeah like he did at, at duke or really rebounding it just seems like you talk about Doncic's conditioning I, th- I think Zion's is a, a little more because a little bigger of an issue because he doesn't put forth any effort on the defensive end, in my opinion. 
Yeah, Zion. Zion was by far the hardest guy for me to to place. I had him. I ended up having him sixth on my board. But if somebody wanted to argue, no, he's tenth or even fifteenth. I understand the argument because he's played eighty five games in three years. There's no clear timetable when he's coming back. Now there's questions about whether he wants out of New Orleans, whether he's he's committed to his own conditioning and his own game as well as to his team. I mean, those are all serious issues. He's also 21 years old, and if he does figure it out, he's going to move right back into the into the top three because you don't see the combination of size, explosive athleticism, and skills that Zion brings to the table. So if he ever gets motivated, slims down, can stay healthy, and what have you, he he's got a chance to be an MVP in the NBA someday. Uh, that, that that's that's his upside. But those ifs just are looming bigger and bigger and bigger right now, and uh, and it's a very tough situation that New Orleans in. Yeah. Here's here's a question for you. Okay. Is Zion the same athlete or well, last year when he put up well, I think like 28 points a game? Was he the same athlete last year that he was at Duke? And when I watched the difference, I don't see the same explosiveness that we saw at Duke. Is is the extra weight adding, you know, maybe a little decline? I mean, he's still a top-tier athlete, but I don't see the same pop as I saw 3 years ago. I think that's fair. If we saw Zion and elite NBA conditioning, like if he if he put in the work that LeBron puts in, you know, for example, you know, every year off season, getting his body in the best possible shape that he could be in, I I think we'd see, I think we see a guy who could score thirty points a night in the NBA. Like he was doing twenty eight points a night, I still think he was probably fifteen to twenty pounds overweight, right? Like, uh, and and then that was in his second year in the league, so. But those are ifs because those are things that that he, are under his control. Injuries aren't always under your control, but when you're thinking about the 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 foot and the the stress and the um, weight that you're putting on that, and just the weight that you're putting on your frame every night, some of that is under Zion's control. And and if he's going to stay healthy in the NBA, I think it's unanimous that he needs to get it, get in a much better conditioning, off season conditioning program, what have you. And if he's not going to do it, that this injury type of issue could be reoccurring. Okay, let's talk about our sponsor, Truebill. Uh, do you know that? Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to seven hundred and twenty dollars a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. I use Truebill. It also alerts you to large purchases. It alerts you to anything that's sort of going on with your account. I think it's an awesome app. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. I use that recently as well so you don't have to don't fall for the subscription scams start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on mba go right now truebill.com slash locked on mba it could save you thousands a year truebill.com slash locked on mba All right, we're going to move a little bit further down the board uh, to a couple of NBA sophomores, one who made an all-star team, one who didn't, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards. 
and and these guys went one and three in the draft. They've been lumped pretty close together. Lamelo wins Rookie of the Year. Lamelo's the first guy to do the All Star uh, All Star game. Actually, the analytics who did not like Anthony Edwards as a rookie and did like Lamelo as a rookie have now got them essentially neck and neck. They're almost putting up across the board analytics numbers that are very similar to each other right now. Where do you rank Lamelo and Anthony Edwards on your top twenty five under twenty five? I am going with Ant over Lamelo. Um, I think that I think Anthony Edwards is going to be dynamite. And yes, you can say he has better better teammates. And the Wolves are a playoff team. I and mean, when, when's the last time we've seen the Wolves in the playoffs? Other than what? Three years ago, but other than that, it's like their second time they're, since they're like, like 2005. A they're in a play-in playoff team, right? Like, which is, you know, I mean, it's which also it, might be Charlotte, second, by the way. Yeah, that that's true. And then the East is actually tougher than the West this year. Um, yeah, I'm still going with Anthony Edwards. I think that he is going to be a 25 point per game score for the next eight to 10 years. And I mean, LaMelo's going to be really good. LaMelo's already proven his, his impact, but I think I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards here. Okay. This is interesting because you said in the, in the Doncic Tatum comparison that what gave Doncic the end was the playmaking. Um, Cause both can really score the ball and LaMelo certainly, while I not sure that we'll see him be a 25 point a night scorer uh, is certainly much better when it comes to playmaking. I think that's actually the n- number one thing that LaMelo hangs his hat on. So does that, is it, is it just the scoring and the, the combination of the sort of explosive elite athleticism that Anthony Edwards brings to the table that you think sort of outshines the fact that LaMelo is a good scorer, he's probably a better shooter, uh, and he's definitely, definitely one of the top play, young playmakers in the NBA where Edwards is. And is that, is that why he gets the edge? I give him the edge because I think he can be your closer. I think mm. in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, I think you can give the ball to Anthony Edwards and say, go get me a bucket. And I think that the closing ability is is the difference, at least for me right now. So where did you have them ultimately in your top 25? Where's I had LaMelo. Let's see where we at. I had LaMelo 8 and Ant 7. Okay. And I just had them reverse. So Raphael and I are, are, are close on a lot of these things. I had LaMelo 7 um, and 8. All right, I'm going to talk about uh, my ninth and 10th guys. These may not be your ninth and 10th guys, so you can tell us where you placed them or whatever. Um, if there was another area of controversy on the list, it's that Detroit fans believe that probably they're upset that Cade wasn't number one on the list, like screw Doncic and Jason Tatum, whatever. But maybe more reasonable fans say he should have been the number one rookie. Um, I have Evan Mobley clearly ahead of him, as, as you do as well. I have him four. Raphael has him five. Uh, but then when it got to Scotty and Cade, I'm high on both of them. I think both of them make multiple all-star teams someday. They both end up making my top 10 at nine and 10. I picked Scotty Barnes ninth, Lamello, or, or sorry, Cade Cunningham 10th. And, and I did it in part, again, based off of where I see the two-way play and versatility of Scotty coming in can play all five positions is already doing that um, in the NBA as opposed to where I see Cade being a better shooter, better scorer, uh, and, and probably, you know, it, it looks like early on, maybe even a better distributor. 
um, than, than Scotty, but doesn't have that athletic size, versatility, uh, five positions. You can build any sort of team around Scotty that you want because he can kind of fit in wherever you want. I have him. I have him. I have him with an edge over Cade. I'm curious. Would you rank them the same way, or would you have Cade over Scotty? And and would either of these guys make your top ten? I'd have Cade over Scotty, but I think Scotty is going to have the much more successful career as far as team success. He's in a great situation in Toronto with other good young players around him. He has a excellent general manager. So I think Cade may put up bigger numbers, but I think Scotty's going to contribute more towards winning. And it's odd that we're talking about two guys that were on the same high school team. Like, how crazy is that? And I think Dayron Sharp was on that team, too, if I'm not mistaken. It, it's crazy that this high school team has two of the top 10 players. Um, and then, of course, you know, I, I guess I'll play devil's advocate because... Um, you know, the Detroit fans and Kate Cunningham fans think you have something against them anyway. <laughs> so Yeah, I only you know. only ranked him number one number on my one. big board coming into <laughs> yeah. the draft. Had but you pointed out Detroit. a flaw. You pointed huh? out a flaw and it's like you pointed, yeah. you had a concern and it's just like yeah. that's that's all they heard. Yeah. So. I, I just pointed out, you know, that maybe they're maybe he we should be looking at Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes and, and frankly, because this guy is a guy that I kind of whiffed on, Jalen Green, um, in there. I, I'm, I'm sure Detroit fans are, are, are right to say, well, good thing we didn't take Jalen Green. And, and you know, maybe we'll talk about Jalen Green in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 think it, I think this is interesting that I actually think it does Kate a favor to try to more accurately say, okay, let's quit comparing him to Luka Doncic because I don't think he's going to have the career of Luka Doncic. I'm not sure anybody's going to have the career of Luka Doncic. But let's also not be the minute that he shoots one for 10 from three, say Cade was a bust and they should have taken Mobley or or Scotty Barnes. I I sit somewhere in the middle, which is that he's going to make multiple all-star teams. This was a great pick for Detroit. He's going to be a big piece of the rebuilding. But because of their size and uh, versatility and athletic abilities, I'm a little bit, a little bit higher on Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes than I am Kate Cunningham right now. But all of them, to me, are top 10 players in the top 25 right now. And that is, to me, not an insult to Kate Cunningham to say he's one of the 10 best under 25 players in the in the NBA right now because there's a bunch of names that he passed on. We we've got Bam, we've got Shea Gilgis um, Alexander, um, right? Uh, these these guys, Darius Garland, who made an All Star team, um, Jared Allen, uh, who made an All Star team, DeAndre Ayton, who was a number one pick in the draft. I mean, these guys are also <laughs> under the age of 25, and I have Kate ahead of all of them. So please, Detroit fans, I don't have anything against uh, Detroit. Um, I really, really like Cade Cunningham. I think he's going to be a really, really great player. Um, but Scotty Barnes, to me, gets the slight edge. And both, I mean, Mobley and Barnes are going to play playoff basketball this year while Detroit is going to be competing for the number one pick. Not saying that that is all Cade's fault, but... No, because Cade's playing with Killian Hayes. So, um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to blame all of that uh, on, on, on Cade. Um, and it will be interesting long term just to see how this all plays out but i love this i love that there's going to be a debate now um between them to me that the evan mobley thing is clear um that his ceiling if he hits it i'm not i'm not sure how kate can catch it um just because of the lack of size and and you know versatility um but there is a question of if and kate 
Cade has that ability, like I said, to make multiple all-star games. Okay, let's talk about our longtime sponsor, Built Bar. And Rafi, I got a surprise for you. We're always talking about Built Bars, but have you tried the puffs, the Built Bar puffs? Have you tried those yet? I have not tried them yet, but I am expecting some soon because I had my locked on anniversary and I'm sure that's in the package. Yeah, man. If you're missing out on one of the, the Built Bar's best tasting bars, puffs are for the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat and they're covered with 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamony, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite and all built bars are covered with 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. Typical candy bar can be anywhere from 2 to 300 calories. Go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. New for this month, white chocolate, cookies and cream. They are delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It'll be delicious and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they are all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. So... Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. We're going to wrap it up here by talking about some of the guys that didn't make the list and maybe who should have. Maybe they didn't make my list, but maybe they made Raphael's. We're going to go through some of that. Um, and so I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a list of guys, Raphael, that did not make my top 25, even though they were under 25. And, and some of these people are a, a, little, bit, a little bit salty about um, right now. Again, in none of these cases did the analytics support them making the 25. But there's other considerations that are here. And so let's, let's look. R.J. Barrett of the Knicks did not make the list. OG and Anobi of the Raptors did not make the list. Desmond Bain, who's having an incredible sophomore season for Memphis Grizzlies, doesn't make the list. Tyrese Maxey, who the Sixers held out on a Ben Simmons trade for because they didn't want to trade him, did not make the list. Darren Fox did make the list last time, slides off the list uh, this time in part uh, because he's, he's, he's had a tough, tough year uh, in Sacramento. And rookies, Franz Wagner, who you know is in you know the top five rookies in the NBA right now doesn't make the list. Jalen Green, who was number five on my list preseason when I was just projecting rookies out, falls all the way out of the top twenty-five. Jalen Suggs of the Orlando Magic uh, doesn't make the list. Of those guys, who do you think is most deserving to make the top twenty-five? Or did any of these guys or multiple of these guys make your list? There's someone that I feel like should have made the list that did not make the list at all and hasn't been mentioned. Oh, wow. Anthony Simons. Oh, my goodness. He's only 22, and he's putting up, yeah, I guess you can say this. it's a small sample size because it's been 
pretty much this season. But he's putting up 23, 24 points per game, and he's actually hurting the Blazers' chances of getting a higher draft pick. To the point now, I just saw today that Nurk Nurkic is going to miss a month with plantar fasciitis, and I'm like, eh, it's probably because they were winning. I think they beat Memphis, and they they, they want to get a higher pick. But Anthony Simons has been. I mean, you could say that he's been just as good this season as some of the guys that are ranked ahead of him in, in, in the time that he's played. And I think Portland is going to really build around him. And I, I see Simons as someone that's going to average about 23, 24, and five assists per game for the next few years. So he was the biggest omission on, on the list, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because the analytics obviously – not high on him in part because they're factoring in multiple seasons of where he doesn't have a huge role in Portland or whatever. But you're right. If we were just sort of taking from the trade deadline uh, on, um, where did he end up on your list? I have him over Alexander, over Gilgis Alexander. Oh, wow. I think if okay. they were playing, if they had the same exact situation, then um, then I think Simons would put up the same numbers. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Maybe I'm a little biased. I'm a Blazers fan. Maybe I'm a little biased. But he's put up, I think the numbers support that he's put up really good numbers this year. Strong strong argument. Strong argument. Anybody else that was glaring? Um, No, I mean, I think it's kind of tough that that, um, Jalen Green isn't on this list. I mean, (laughs) a few months ago, we would have probably guessed for him to be a top 10 player player at least at least in that in that range now i know the numbers aren't good um but anthony edwards was i think he was one of the worst players in the nba last year according to one of the i think it was maybe the raptor the raptor metrics so it's way too early to throw in the towel on 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 jalen green but i i I do and we talked about it in the last episode it is very interesting that in a redraft today maybe kaminga goes higher than him yeah and you have and Josh Kaminga Gitt- in your top 25. And Josh Giddy, who is eighth in the NBA in triple doubles this year as a 20-year-old, uh, were, were guys that got more votes from general managers than Jalen Green did. Um, and, you know, interesting. You know, Jalen Green was... I went back and forth. I mean, even sometimes having Jalen Green in, like, the teens um, on this, because I still believe that that combination of athleticism his drive, his ability to score the basketball. I think his shot's going to come around. I think ultimately he's going to be in a better situation in Houston, that they're going to get better players around him. Probably mean that this, of, of anybody on the list, that it's going to look dumb in a couple of years. Like, where was Jalen Green on this list? And, you know, one counter um, point to saying, okay, look, Raptor has him as the worst player in the NBA right now. Like, Dead last, worst player in the NBA. Though I will point out that Trey Young is worse than him on defense. That he's number two, second worst defender in the NBA. But Trey Young, they say, is actually worse. Um, but Raptor said that several years ago about Darius Garland, worst player in the league after his rookie season. He's an All Star um, this year, and so you know that that ability to to grow and figure things out. And Garland's a great sort of example of a guy who it, it takes sometimes young guards a little longer. And, and it seems like Raptor is hardest 
on those young guards and the analytics are hardest on those young guards when they're young. It takes sometimes them a while to figure this out. Jalen Green's upside to me was the guy that I was just like, man, I, I, I you know, there was, there was, there was nothing analytically or even in talking to the GMs and scouts I talked to that could really justify me putting him there. But I, I still believe that he's got a chance to end up at some point in his career before the age of 25 in the top 10 in, in the top 25 under 25. Now here's something to think about with, with Darius Garland compared to Jalen Green as far as being at the bottom of the Rapture list. Garland played maybe seven games. He didn't even make it to the conference schedule before he had the foot injury and missed his freshman year. So you can make a case and say he came literally right out of high school. While Jalen Green was supposed to be the most prepared because he played in the G League. And that's what really makes it very interesting to me is that we thought that he was the most prepared and he's hasn't been on both ends of the floor. And then I'm not to pile on Killian, but, it, you know, <laughs> Jalen Green's name is right by Killian Hayes and towards like the, the very bottom of the league overall in, in Raptor. And that is it's not the best position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to make the argument that Raptor's right, like Killian Hayes is a great sort of example, but. Look, even coming into this season, I, I was a Killian Hayes, I, I just got to be honest, like I was a Killian Hayes fan coming into the draft. I thought he should have been a top 10 pick in the draft. Um, and I, while I had quabbles with Detroit taking him over Tyrese Halliburton, I didn't give them a terrible grade on draft night. So, I mean, he's obviously dramatically underperformed where I thought he would be um, in the draft. Um, but, you know, there were so many questions after that first year. And then the sort of thinking came back, well, maybe it's all going to turn around in year two. And it didn't for him. And so I think so much of this will also be on Jalen Green. What is he going to do? Is he going to get back in the gym? How is he going to work on his game? How is he going to improve? What is he going to learn and take from the season? Because the best in the NBA, every year are adding, they're figuring out things. They're figuring out how to get done what they want to get done on the court. And, you know, we'll see with Jalen Green. He seems like he's a competitive dude. He seems like he wants to be great. You saw that in the All-Star game where in the Rising Stars, man, I mean, that guy was gunning for MVP, like right from, from the get-go. And for a while, boy, he sure looked like it until he made a very Jalen Green-esque mistake at the end of the uh, of the Rising Stars um, challenge um, where he took up a contested three when his team didn't even need a three to win. Um, though in his defense, he says he was he was fouled by Sadiq Bey. Uh, so... Um, you know, whatever you want to take from that. I'm not going to read too much into into the rising challenge. But I, I agree that Jalen Green is going to be the most unique and interesting sort of player to watch on this list um, going forward and seeing um, where he where he goes. Okay, he's Rafael Barlow. Rafael, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking top 25, under 25. Really looking forward to uh, all your stuff. Going to start diving into some international players. You're heading to Serbia. Yeah. Leave in a, in a few hours, and I mean, we, we had little weather issues today here in Dallas, so that may impact it a little bit. But I'm looking forward to seeing some of the players. I think most of these guys are 2004 born, so they could be eligible for the draft next year. So hopefully, I can un uncover a, a hidden gem that we haven't really seen on NBA radars yet. All right, well, make sure you subscribe to nbabigboard.com today. 
uh, Raphael writing several times a week. I'm writing several times a week. We're writing about the 2022 NBA draft. Raphael sometimes even writing further down the road about the 2023 and, and beyond, um, as well as keeping track of all the rookies and sophomores. I feel like there's a lot of great content we're publishing every day uh, during the week right now and some great video content from Raphael Barlow as well. So make sure you go over and check out his Shaden Sharp breakdown. Um, if you want to see some video, the guy that a lot of NBA teams think is going to be somewhere in the five to 10 range if he ends up declaring for the draft. And then make sure you go over and check out the whole top 25, under 25, make your comments, tell me where I'm wrong. I'm open. I'm open to anything. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.